Amen. How are you guys doing this morning? Thank you. Um, man, it's almost like we should just end after that and be happy and excited about what God is doing. Um, it's amazing to, I think, especially as people that spend a lot of time at church, to be reminded of what it means to be the church and to live as the church. And I think that ties right into what we're going to talk about today because uh, our question series that we've been going through, um, the question that we have today is I framed it in, why don't we read the Bible? And when you hear Iman and Brent talk, I sit there and say, why don't we read the Bible more uh, when we see the power that it has to change lives? Why don't we read the Bible more? I was getting ready last night going over my notes and just finishing some stuff up. And one of my daughters walked into the room I was at and she must have seen the Bible and seen me doing a little bit of work. And she said, she goes, Dad, how many times is the word the in the Bible? <laughs> and I looked at her and I thought for a second. So I thought I would ask you guys if anybody here knows how many times the word the is in the Bible. Is there anybody that knows? 3,000. He said it with such conviction that even if he's wrong, <laughs> we will believe him. The answer my daughter told me was, because I said something like that a few thousand and she looks at me, she goes, Dad, it's one, the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, fourth grade church humor at its best. <laughs> That's what happens when you raise your kids in church. They start telling jokes like that. Um, something, something strange happens when we start talking about studying and reading the Bible. Even when we hear stories of it coming to life for other people, something can tend to happen in our lives. And when somebody gets up on stage and begins to tell you to read your Bible, something happens and it usually ends with us feeling guilty. We feel guilty because we don't read the Bible as much as we should. We don't read the Bible enough. We don't spend enough time in God's Word. And I think if you went to most Christians and asked them, are you reading the Bible enough? Are you studying the Bible? Most of them, their answer would be like, oh, no, I know I should read it more. I know I should be studying it more. As a matter of fact, I've never come across anybody, to be honest with you, that has said, I really read the Bible just as much as I should. And so something weird happens. This guilt comes in and, and we think that we have to be doing it more. And, and I got started to think about what is it about this book and our relationship with God and the culture that we live in that we automatically go to this guilt feeling and this tension of I don't read it enough. I don't study it enough. Open up, if you do have your Bibles, to the book of Romans in chapter 15 in verse 4. 
Because I do think that it's interesting that most of us have this feeling that we don't do a good enough job reading the Bible. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, it says this. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. What was written in this Word was so that we might have hope, that we would have encouragement. But so often, it brings frustration and struggle and guilt. Richard Foster wrote a book that's called Reading the Bible for Spiritual Transformation, and he says the intrinsic power and greatness of the Bible does not make it easy for us to receive the life that it has to offer. But yet we've been taught and we feel and we believe that, that there's something in this book that, that we should be getting, yet so often it seems to fall short of what it's promised to be. On average, the person, if a person is a Bible owner or a consumer of Bibles, on average, they own nine Bibles. Which I don't know what that says. I don't know if there's a bunch of people out there just collecting Bibles to like, have this cool collection. Or if it says that we keep buying more Bibles hoping that a different translation or maybe one with better study notes or some more insight will give us what we're looking for. On Friday, I went to coffee with a friend and he lives up in Canada and he was down for the week and he's planted three churches up in Canada. And so I wanted to ask him questions about church planting and things he's learned and mistakes he's made and any information and insight that he could give me. And so we talked about a lot of these different things. And, and then the conversation kind of turned a little bit and he started talking about Acts chapter 8. And he says, you know, going up to Acts chapter 8, Stephen is stoned after he gives this, this amazing speech to these people and they kill him and then per heavy persecution comes upon the church and they start to spread and they start to share their faith. And he starts to kind of just walk through the book of Acts and what that is about and the story of the followers of Christ and how they're living it out under this great persecution. And as he was talking things began to stir on the inside of me and I started to become excited about the things that he was talking about because I started to realize that even back some 2,000 years ago, there were these followers of Christ that were wanting to proclaim the gospel and proclaim the kingdom. And, and in this book, we have this story of followers of Christ living out their faith and it became exciting and it became real. It became life to me. And it reminded me that God's story from beginning to end is about the life that He wants to give to us, that He wants to bring to us. But so often we can lose sight of that life because at times there are parts of this Bible that are difficult to understand, that 
are frustrating. We can, we can convert it and transform it to so many different things. We can turn it into a rule book with just a bunch of rules. We, we can turn it into a self-improvement book just looking for formulas to tell us how to make our lives better. We can turn it into a textbook where we just force ourselves to study, to learn facts and information. Or, or we can turn it into a promise book and just find those really fun scriptures that make us feel good about ourselves and good about our lives. And while it may be a little bit of all of those things, it's so much more. If you look at Hebrews and chapter 4, verse 12, it reminds us that this word is life. Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude attitudes of the heart. This Bible, these words, when we let them into our life, penetrate our life. They expose our life. They show us. They guide us, direct us. The words on these pages are different. They're special. They're powerful. They are life. Timothy tells us that the words are breathed by God. Romans tells us that they're the power of God to salvation. Psalms tell us that these words illuminate our path. They show us, guide us, direct us in the way that we're to walk, in the way that we're to go. These words can shape and mold and create on the inside of us. They cause us to be a new creation. They show us how to follow and live after Christ. But why? Why don't we spend time reading and taking them in? I think a lot of times we fall into the same trap that the Pharisees fell into. John chapter 5 and verse 39 and 40 talk about this. Jesus is there and they're having this discussion and He looks at these Pharisees who spend much of their time reading and studying. And he says, you diligently search and study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus looks at these people that have spent hours and hours on a daily basis studying the Scriptures and saying, you study and you search and you look, but you miss what is right in front of me, or in front of you, and that's me. The life. The life that God wants to give you. And I think that many times in our lives, we can go to this book and we study it, and we search it, and, and we're looking for something, but all we're doing is gathering information. All we're doing is trying to fulfill an obligation. And if we come to this Bible just looking for information, then we fall into that same trap and completely miss the point. And because I think in our day, in, in our age, where there's more resources on how to study the Bible, there's more sermons and books and insight and information than in any other day and in any other age, that, that our problem isn't so much reading the Bible. Our problem is acting on what it says. 
Because I would agree, there are parts that are difficult to understand. And there are parts that will be debated until Christ comes back and we, He explains it all and we make sense of every piece of every word. But our problem isn't so much needing to figure all of those things out. It's to simply live the things that the Bible calls us to. To love our neighbor. To bless those who persecute you. To not gossip. And the list goes on and on. And now while those things aren't always easy to do, they actually are pretty simple to understand. I think we do a lot like the expert in the law did when he came to Jesus and he said, how do I possess eternal life? Jesus says, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And his response was, well, who's my neighbor? We want to rationalize and discuss and debate instead of simply hearing Jesus say, love your neighbor as yourself. And we say, man, how could I do that? How could I love my neighbor as myself. Sometimes I think all of the, the difficulties that we sometimes add into this Bible is so that we don't have to do what it asks and what it requires of us. So today, my challenge for all of us is simple. It's to read the Bible and endeavor our best to do what it says. To not force ourselves to do a bunch of mental gymnastics and a bunch of Bible studies and courses, but to open the page, to read a passage, a chapter, a page, and ask God, what is it that you are saying to me, and how can I live that out in my life? And so we're going to do the strangest of things in church. We're actually going to read the Bible. We put little white sheets, half sheets of paper on your, on your chairs. If you want to get those out, we also have some pens. Uh, if you need a pen, Kevin, I think, will bring some pens around uh, for those of you who need them. I'm going to give you a couple different passages that you can choose to look at. None of them relate to each other or anything. And there's no, nothing special about these passages. I just kind of picked them at random. I'm going to give you about eight minutes to read. And this is what my hope would be, is that you will write down your observations, what God is saying to you, and how you will apply that to your life. And then in about eight minutes, I'll come back up here, and I hope that three or four of you would be willing to share what, what it was that you read that stood out to you, observations that you made, and how you're going to apply that to your life. So here's the passages. The first passage is on the back of the bulletin because I know that some people probably don't have a Bible with them. So if you have your bulletin, you can look at the back. And that's 2 Timothy chapter 3 there. You could look at Acts chapter 3, Luke chapter 14, Psalm chapter 1, or really for that matter, you can pick anywhere that you would like to read. Um, but let's take about eight minutes, spend that time reading and writing, and then I'll get back up and we'll close up. Okay, I know that was kind of a, probably a short amount of time, but let's do this, and hopefully there'll be a few of you that would be willing to uh, just kind of raise your hand and let us know uh, something that stood out to you, observation, how you, how you apply it to your life. So, yep, go ahead, stand up. I don't know if we have the microphone. 
They're getting it. Um, I read Acts chapter 3, and um, it's when the crippled man from birth is healed, and there's all these onlookers um, at the temple beautiful. And, um, and so the man was healed, and he was jumping and really excited, and um, everyone looking on was astonished, and um, Peter and the others talked to everybody in the temple and said, used kind of harsh words and were saying that, you know, you killed the author of, of this world and, and Jesus, um, and he is, you know, who he says he was, and he's God. And, and then he says, um, sort of just like this man who was crippled, he says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So times of refreshing just sounded so good. <laughs> and, um, and sometimes for me, um, I believe a lot more lies than I do truth. And there's times when I blatantly turn on God and sort, and I'm taking part in this killing of Jesus, it feels like. But here it says, you know, these people, like, chose to kill Jesus, but there's times of refreshing that they can have, so that's really great. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, excellent. <clears throat> Somebody else? Yep, right down here. I'm Kyle. I'm, I go to Eastern. Um, I read Psalm 1. And it basically just talks about how the, the wicked will eventually perish in every way possible or in some ways. And um, I'm just going to share a little bit of stuff what happened with me this week particularly. Um, just yesterday we, at Eastern we had this like $5 prom thing um, in, in the dorms. And afterwards I was talking to someone and uh, we were talking about how thinking of others is always going to, in the end, help um, people respect you and uh, get God within your life. And many of you guys probably already know that. Um, but this kid, he's only, he's only 18. He's figuring that out now. And I feel like for me personally, I didn't figure that out until I was 21, which is the early part of this year. And um, just whether we talk about ourselves or whatever it is, just let you know that um, thinking about others will always, in the end, be better for us. And then um, another thing is on Thursday, we have a, we play intramural softball and stuff. And um, we played two games, or actually, excuse me, I played one game, the other team played two games, but we lost the first game and everything we are portraying, or we are trying to have fun and everything. With the second game, um, when I was just watching, um, the team that I guess I was rooting for at the time, I was on the sidelines. Um, they kind of used softball because to try to just beat the other team. They just really wanted to beat the other team really, really bad. And they just weren't thinking about God. And I feel like he really taught us a lesson in terms of just always try to go out there and just have fun and uh, not necessarily worry about just, you know, having that anger inside of you to beat the other team. And um, that showed, I think, in the end, the, the wicked will always perish 
and uh, when we truly portray God in our lives and have the Spirit inside of us, um, we will prosper in the end. So just always remember that. Thanks. <laughs> Maybe two more. Um, so I definitely took the opportunity to go random. <laughs> so I went random. And uh, I ended up in Nehemiah chapter 6. And the uh, Jews are building the wall of Jerusalem. And this verse stuck out to me. Uh, verse 9. Hold on, i got to scroll down a little bit. Uh, For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking uh, their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. And um, I just, uh, there are things that I know when God is encouraging me to do something. And there's times where I'm just totally scared to do those things. And uh, it happens more often than not. And uh, this was a very encouraging verse. It's great. It's really good. Okay, one last one last one. Shared it with David, and I figured I'd share it with you guys. I read Psalm 1, the service, and um, in it, it's talking about the blessed man. And he says, but he delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night in contrast to the ways of the wicked. And, um, and I've had some conversations recently where people, I maybe I should stand up, I don't know. Uh, I've had some conversations with people recently where... Um, the questions come up, it's like, how do we know what we're supposed to do as Christians? Like, how do we know that what we're doing is what God wants to do? And I feel like we've gotten to this point where we've hyper-spiritualized Christianity, where it's like, God, should I have chocolate or should I have strawberry? And, and there comes a point where we have to live our lives. And I, I think one of the things that really stood out to me, and that was that he meditates on the Lord's word day and night, and that the law of the Lord, that he knows it, and that he meditates on it, and that it's what drives his decisions, just to please the Lord. And it's not necessarily that everything's a, a conflict where, like, Lord, what do I do? But the fact is that that's what indwells that person, and that's what really drives them forward in what they're doing. And so I know that's an encouragement to me to want to read scripture, and to know it well, and to meditate on it, just so that those verses pop into my head when things come up, and just so that I'm reminded of God's heart for people and God's, God's love for me and his desire, because I know that I've had some hard decisions to make recently, and ultimately, God loves me, and, and just knowing him well through his word is something that can really guide us in that. So I'd encourage us in the midst of this talk to really be considering how much we do read and to continue to push forward into that, and uh, just because there's so much joy and so much peace to be had as we do that and as we press forward into the Lord, so... Yep. I mean, just in eight quick minutes of reading one small passage, the few people that shared, you can see these different insights and different things that spoke to them. And if we took the time and went around, I'm sure there's lots of you that saw different perspectives on this same exact passage and different things that spoke to you in your life. And hopefully that that will encourage you to just simply start reading the Word. I think that for me, sometimes we want to have a system and we have a, want to have a Bible study and this big, huge structure. And I'm not arguing against any of those things. And, and sometimes if you want to go really deep and get into certain things, you can do that. But I think possibly the reason why most of us don't read our Bible is because we're too intimidated to even start. 
And really, we can strip the stress and the tension and the fear and the frustration away and just start. Just start reading. And if we come across something we don't understand, just put a big question mark by it and try to find somebody that maybe could help us understand what that says. When we come across something that really speaks to us, find a friend and start telling them about what you read and how it challenged you and how you're going to live it out in your life. Sometimes we just make it so difficult when God wants to maybe just speak to us in our lives, tell us what steps to take, changes to make, things to do. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your challenge in our lives. And knowing that sometimes it can be frustrating and we question and we don't know exactly what you're trying to say to us. But God, I pray that we would take the challenge and start reading and just see what you might say to us. See what you might challenge us to do. What actions we might have to take. God, when we walk with you, although it can be challenging, it is so full of life. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. May this week as you go, you read and study and pray and spend time with God and Him speak things to you. Have a good week.